Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files, and tonight we have a uh, two special guests, and hopefully a third is uh, is on his way somewhere. Uh, Lauren Bies, the European correspondent, uh, and we'll be, you know, she'll be joining us tonight. In fact, she's already online, and uh, Kyle Hester is scheduled to join us, and also we do have back. After a month of hell, which she'll talk about I'm later, back from is the Coco dead. Kensky. Yeah, you're I'm back, back from, from the, the dead. dead, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so, honestly, real quick, I got to talk about this month I've had. So this month has been like so overwhelming in the fact that it's only it's only what the 14th, and yeah. it feels like. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Okay, so I'll start with this. Um, I recently had to put my. Uh, my second dog down. Um, I've lost like three dogs now in the course of a year. And so that in itself is like, holy crap. But to make matters worse, um, they told my parents who they may move to Vegas. Um, and they took, they took her with her because that's like my mom's dog now. And, you know, they went to the vet. She, she wasn't feeling well, I, I guess. And so, you know, they basically, um, they took her to the vet and the vet like said like, well, it seems like she has cancer and the best thing to do is for you to put her down because you don't want her to be any pain. So of course my parents did that. And then it turned out she did not have cancer at all. So, um, I was dealing with that <laughs> and like, I'm laughing cause it's just, it's so ridiculous that, um, that it happened in the first place because she wasn't old. She was literally six years old. Um, and she did have, like, she was a little sick, but nothing that couldn't be cured with medication. Um, but unfortunately, she did pass. And um, that was basically the start of this horrendous month. My uh, my boyfriend, he injured his back. Um, like, this happens once a year. I mean, Tom, you worked in, you know, yeah. in the pharmaceutical. So, like, you know, yeah. he, uh, he got an x-ray. I finally was just, like, to the point where it had been already two weeks. And I'm like, dude you got to go to the doctor. Like, this is insane. You know, you, you, like, I mean, the spasms were so bad that, you know, it's really bad when after two months you're able to finally sit in a chair without your back being, you know, screwed up. And I think we take for granted our backs. I think we take for granted, like, our health, honestly, um, because it turned out that on his spine, you know, there's usually, there's usually a space between your spine and your disc. And there was no space whatsoever. It was like on top of each other. And so we had just found out about maybe a couple of days ago that the cause of it was scarring of the tissue for like 19 years. And because of that, that's what's causing the spasm. So he is in physical therapy now. And then around the seventh, this is where the story really turns to be really fun. Um, I was working and then all of a sudden I felt like this really sharp pain and I'm like, oh my God. You know, I thought, oh, 
God, like, am I on my period or something? I don't know. And it turned out that I had uh, ovarian cysts that bursted. Um, and the pain when you have an ovarian cyst that bursts, for people who don't know, um, people can mistake it for having an appendix rupture. That's, like, not an exaggeration because I did think it was my appendix and I was freaking out. Um, so, obviously, I went to the doctor and like 48 hours rest that was like on the 7th and today was like the day that I was actually able to feel better um it had turned out that with you know the anxiety with you know the burst I somehow developed like a stomach virus (laughs) I swear to god I I I was in such bad shape Tom I mean it was so bad that like I would eat like just rice and I would throw it up within like five minutes of eating it it was just like I ended up losing like nine pounds in a week um mm. from from being like just the constant vomiting and just the constant like all I could drink was water for like nine days <laughs> but um wow. no I'm I'm a lot better now it was really scary because you know I had to get a CT yeah. scan and you know you know CT scans are not fun like they exude radiation yeah. so they always warn you about that um, and I've already had one in my life, so it's not, they were, they were like, unless you actually feel like you're dying. And I was like, no, I feel like I'm fucking dying. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> like, that's how I felt. Um, but mm. it's a lot better now. I'm, I mean, I was able to, for the first time to actually eat something since like the seventh and not actually throw up. And mm. it's always a good sign when you're like, you know, you're feeling like your normal self because I swear when you're sick for so long, Tom, you literally don't even know what your normal self feels like, you know? So I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you feel like you don't, you're not your normal self and you're like, well, I'm never, I literally have this thing in my mind. Like I'm never going to be better because it it was, I was going on for so long and I was just like, I was over it. And uh, today was like the first day I was actually able to get up and not like pass out. (laughs) So I'm thinking it's a good sign. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm glad that you're back because we've missed you. Uh, Aww. Uh, and and what I have to say because, like I say, there's I know my last couple of weeks uh, for you, and it's it, it one of the things. It program, has. You know, yeah, and the, the one aspect, you know, you know, when you when we have a program, we get the thing planted, and then you you know, just something like this happens, or you have a guest who decides right. like. And last week was on this week because literally I had a guest line. You couldn't make it. I had this guest lined up. You know, the guy said, oh, I'll be happy to come on your show. An hour right. before he shows up. Shows up. An hour oh, God. Show. <laughs> hey, my son's in the emergency room with a broken hand. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh great. But nonetheless, we yeah. are professionals here, and we found a show to make a show. Uh, we do have Lauren Vise, and we have Kyle Hester. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things. There's so many things going on. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask Lauren what's going on in Europe. Uh, now with the let's yes. say the G7 meet, uh, the G7 meeting, she'll give us her report on that. Uh, Kyle <laughs> will be talking about his movies. We've got all kinds of other stuff to talk about. Plus, we've got some great stories. I mean, we got some. I'm excited about the great. story you mentioned. You mentioned yeah. to me. I'm excited about that one. Okay, here's a, <laughs> this is what I mean. After the break. <laughs> I'm going to share this with everybody. Sheriff is attacked by a dildo on a drone. 
Ooh, uh, that is amazing. That's amazing. That's not a movie. That's a, dude, that's amazing. Okay. Okay. I think it was only and, a matter of time. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then this story. I love this one. Mask required of a naked back bike ride. I mean, literally. You could ride naked in this naked bike ride, but you had to wear a mask. Uh, well, I mean, then that's... We're gonna, I don't know. That just seems crazy to me. No, it doesn't. Uh, it does this, well, oh, well, it really does it, though, because, I mean, what, what yeah. I, because, I, like, I started taking Pilates, and you have to wear a mask when you're doing Pilates, like, in here. I mean, cause yeah. it's, a, it's not an open room. Like, it's a very, yeah. like, small studio. Yeah. So I don't think it's that crazy. I've heard I've That's heard not worse. crazy, Tom. Yeah. Don't get me started, no, Tom. No, it's not. Start the show. That's crazy. <laughs> Well, like I say, you can comment when we do the story. Then we got, does asparagus really help hangover? I'll tell you, crazy though. Um, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what's crazy, if I can think. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there is, there, there was, um, I have an update about the Tin Horn Flats. Uh, Kyle, have you heard of this place? I have we heard of this place. We talked about it, didn't we? Okay, so the guy, the owner is completely batshit crazy. Um, he basically totally violated COVID uh, procedures. Like, they literally, like, it got so bad, like, the police were involved, the, the city was involved, they were, like, suing him because they, like, ended up locking the restaurant because he wasn't supposed to serve people. And he literally right. took a virus, he, he took, like, a video of him, like, opening the locks, breaking it down, and, like, continuing to serve people. Okay, so that happened. Well, all these, like, random, like, Trump supporters just fled to Burbank, okay? They fled to Burbank. And, like, the majority of them weren't even from Burbank. They were, like, from Huntington Beach, which is, like, pretty far out (laughs) to, like, (laughs) Burbank. And I swear to you, I can't make this up. For the past, like, three weeks, there, like, there's been an incident every day. Like, the last incident was some woman tried to stab someone (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like uh-huh. I guess like yeah. she. Oh no! It was yeah. like it's nuts. It's nuts. These people are, yeah. are, are absolutely crazy. Um. But anyway, yeah, hold on. So yeah, the, got, yeah, got Coco. Yeah, Coco. Hold, hold on that thought because we're going to continue this because it's that time of the uh, announcements. Right. So this is the Donaldson file. Tom uh-huh. Donaldson, Carl Hester, uh, uh, Lauren Boyce, and here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with this talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year, one in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Let's play, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, for this segment, it will be the Buffalo Wild Wings sponsor. If you want to be a sponsor of this show, this is how you do it. You get a hold of L.A. Bachelor, Bachelor 40 at gmail.com. We'll send out a sales team, and you, too, can be a sponsor of this show. What do you get? Uh, you're going to, if you go for the, the extreme super-duper package, you get a mention at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show, you know, Coco says nice things about you over 60 seconds, three ads. And, and, like, and by the way, you also will be on our podcast because after this, we do have the Bachelor News dot airtime dot pro, the Bachelor News airtime dot Bachelor News dot airtime dot pro. And we have all of our shows that you can listen to at any time at convenience. And these ads, are going to be running there, and we basically run about 14 shows a week on the network in addition to doing this live here every Tuesday, every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Coco and Kyle time. So that's it. Okay, go ahead and finish up your story. Uh, Or Burbank, so why are you showing up? Second of all, there's always a stabbing involved, Tom. There's always a stabbing. So um, the stabbing started, like, um, this happened in December 2020, but um, basically there was a report of someone being tased. Um, uh, that's just one incident. And then they tased that person because she ended up trying to stab someone because they asked her to put on a mask. Um yeah, um, if someone's asking you to put on a mask, and this is, by the way, when this happened, it was required to wear a mask, um, so it wasn't, like, some insane, like, new rule or whatever. Like, that was the regulation, like, you had to be wearing a mask. And they took out a knife and proceeded to stab the person. <laughs> um, that is just one story. There have been so many. Like, I mean, I've had personal experience. Um, someone that I know, um, and we were talking about this, he was wearing his mask, and he was on Magnolia Boulevard, which um, is Burbank, California. Um, and, you know, they literally tried to, like, rip his mask off. And I'm telling you, Tom, if someone ever tried to do that with me or spit on me, I mean, they spit on my car, by the way. When I was driving by, I guess I had, like, I have, like, this, like, Biden sticker or whatever. I don't know, like, on the car. And they literally, like, literally, I would have ran through, like, all of them. I would have run them all over because they like knocked on my window and then they proceeded to spit on my car. And I think like spitting is like the lowest thing you can do because that will just anger me. Anyways, last week they were holding their little rally. I mean, this place is so fenced off. They literally put a border up so people can go in because they're crazy. And um, another woman like took out like a pocket knife and started swinging it at, at like one of one of the police officers um this is just like and and what, what really like is just like 
the, the funny thing about this is, like, they don't even live here. Like, they don't live here. And the best part of it, Tom, is if you drive by, like, I try to avoid the street because they're, it's just so uncomfortable, like, seeing Wait, what's, what's these this people out. Yeah, Magnolia. See, Kyle knows it. Kyle's That's like, crazy. What? Uh, yeah, I used, I used to live in, in uh, North Hollywood, right at, like, Magnolia and Tahunga yeah, by the park. It, it, yeah, it's exactly near there. And so what they were doing, like they, they, I, I'm, Kyle, I'm not exaggerating. Like I literally, I have a picture of this. But I will, I will literally share. Um, one of them, they, they come out and they're wearing tinfoil hats. Like they wear tinfoil hats and QAnon shirts. Like they're, they're, they're batshit crazy. Oh well, crazy. there you go. Yeah. They're batshit crazy. I mean, as like if you, it, like I, I, I try really hard not to go down that street anymore which sucks because that's, that's where I get my coffee is near that place. And, like, you'll see a line at, like, 9 in the morning of these people protesting. It's like they don't even live here. They live in Orange County. Like, really? You're going to drive, like, are they, like, what are they protesting? Oh, no, um, well, no. okay. So they're, they're protesting the restaurant shut, shutting down because, you know, first of all, they've never even eaten there. Uh, I guarantee you that. Um, because this guy, um, well, there's a bunch of things. This guy started, um, posting, like, he was like a QAnon guy and he had this restaurant in Burbank and he didn't care if he was violating orders. Um, they took away their liquor license. They took away the electricity. They padlocked the place. And when they padlocked the place, he had his underage son who, by the way, 17 year old is running the bar. Um, I think that's pretty illegal. Just saying, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Um, yeah, um, well, and they had most, they had a, they had, at least, at least in most states huh? it's illegal. In most states, yeah, it's illegal. I mean, <laughs> uh, yes, but I yes, so I'm assuming it's very illegal here. Yeah, um, yeah, and so basically they padlocked the place. So he went on his Instagram, like I'm not, I'm not even joking, and he did a live video of him breaking the padlock. And then he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're open," and then police would come, and then, then finally after months and months of this guy just violating, like, going to the city, like, the city, you know. And then he, he actually advocated the death of one of the city councilmen. And that's, Ooh, that's what really, really got that, him in trouble. He basically, you know, yeah, he basically threatened yeah. the guy like he was going to kill him. And yeah. so right. and then, the best part, the, hold on, the best part is about the whole situation was that you know, he did this, like, all on Instagram on a public feed where everyone could see, and they all started, like, you know, and then he got a lawyer, and his lawyer basically told to shut down all his social media accounts because of the evidence <laughs> piling against him. Yeah, it's nothing like, it's and, nothing like uh, putting, yeah, it's nothing like putting everything on the Instagram. All right, one more quick thing before we get right. to, uh, uh, is this, okay, you, this, this struck me because it came on your uh, Twitter feed. The hipsters are starting to appropriate the poor. <laughs> and I, I, no, I, I've got to say because, and I'm going to get Kyle and, and Lauren on this one because I got to tell you, about a couple of years ago, I'm I'm going I'm visiting my daughter in Brooklyn, and she's sitting there telling me, like in Waynesburg, Brooklyn, uh, it's like hipster town, and she's sitting there telling me yeah. that the number one beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Yeah. And, oh my God. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I they brought, say, they brought I mean, Paps back. Yeah, they brought Paps back. But here's the kicker. Paps is a crappy beer. 
Look, I, I remember. Hipsters are yeah, fast. I mean, what I can remember. I can, can, I, can I? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead real quick. Yeah. Oh, wait, I was going to say something. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it, and then I'll get back to you. Okay. All right. So, um, while I, I, I'm not a vegan, although I do love vegan food, and I had gone to this amazing vegan restaurant, um, and there's these, there's these two, like, these two, like, be, I, I, hipsters that were, like, they were so hipsters. There's, like, this white girl with long dreadlocks, guy in, like, uh, like a, a bohemian, like, long, like, shirt. And their total was, like, you know, I think it was, like, 50-something dollars or whatever. And, you know, they, like, they ended up, like, not tipping, but they got so offended that the person, like, asked, like, oh, because they always, restaurants always ask you, like, oh, would you like to add a tip? They do that at, at freaking Starbucks, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. the guy got so insulted. He got so insulted. I'm like, bro, bro, oh, my yeah. God. Like, I cannot stand hipsters for the life of me. Like, if you can't tip yeah. or, like, even do it, whatever, like, you know, then don't go out to eat. You know, if you can't yeah, afford the absolutely. tip, but you, but you can afford, like, a $60 breakfast, but yeah, you can't absolutely. afford yeah. to, like, tip, like, two bucks. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All, I got, yeah, all I got to say is this. When I was in college, Pabst Blue Ribbon beer was the redneck beer of Virginia. I was oh, in Virginia. School in yeah, so, yeah. That, and here's the thing. It quacked at that time, and 99 cents a six-pack. Oh, wow. God. Oh my God! Can you imagine? That's in, ninety-nine no, cents that's a six-pack. It was a cheap. I mean, it was a cheap drunk, if you want to put it that way. But ninety-nine cents a six-pack. The only beer cheaper was the Grand Union brand beer. Oh, I don't even know what that is. I don't, no, Union, yeah, it, it, well, it's I like mean, a grocery I store. I don't know, Tom. Have Have you, um, real quick? Have you ever watched this? There's a his show on the History Channel called "The Food That Made America." No. Yeah, I've, I've seen. Yeah. Have you Have you heard of it? Okay, so the interesting about the Pabst Beer guy, um, he, when Prohibition started, what they ended up doing was culturizing cheese. So they would actually sell Pabst Blue Cheese. Ooh. Um, and that's what kind of got them back into the game until Kraft actually sued the crap out of them because it was basically the same thing as Kraft Cheese, except they just put in Pabst Blue Cheese. Um, and then basically... <laughs> They, it's funny because they talk about this. They talk about the hipster movement and how they basically yeah. brought Pabst Blue out of a recession because of the hipsters. Yeah. Well, all I got to say is this. So, it's the worst taste. It's up there. It's not exactly what I call a great tasting beer. Uh, I don't even like beer. And I, 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 I took a sip of Pabst yeah. once and I was like, it literally tasted like piss. It tasted yeah, like piss water. Yeah. Like there was nothing to it. Yeah. Yeah, like I literally yeah. can I sit in a cup, Tom. Give it to you, and you think it's Pabst Blue. I'm sorry, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not that far off. And Lauren, have you ever had Pabst Blue Ribbon beer in your life? No, you had the... never in my life. Okay. No. All right, don't start. Well, don't start. <laughs> but I, I say, but this I, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm yeah, I, I'm starting to learn the story, and my daughter's telling me about it, and I'm like thinking to myself, you got to be joking. No, they uh, brought it back. They actually, they actually they brought ended up it back. having yeah, a absolutely. huge. They no, they ended up having a huge, huge money um, income. Yeah. Um, more than yeah. they, it was. I think. I think they said it was the most since they first launched Top Blue. Yeah. That's All what right, they the, said. But, yeah, here's a, we're gonna take a quick break before we get really into this. 
Because here's what we're going to do on the other side of the show here. Uh, I'm going to have Lauren come in and talk about Europe, uh, the Biden business, and she can tell me how much the Europeans yeah, now the Europeans love America. Now, yeah, they can now now love America because of Joe Biden. I know she'll explain <laughs> that to me. Uh, oh, my God. Then we'll have yeah, – then we'll have the, the story of the sheriff attacked by a dildo drone. Uh, it's, so this is Tom Donaldson here with Coco Konski, Lauren Byes, and Kyle Hester here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? Of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, Jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, this is Tom Donson back. Yeah, this is Tom Donson. We're have back here on the Bachelor News Radio Network on the Donson Files, and we just wanted to. Uh, we're gonna, and just remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can listen to this podcast at your time, anytime on the BachelorNews.airtime.pro. Uh, you can listen to it live on Tuesday and Wednesday on the network, and also. You can listen to us on the podcast again, the Bastion News Radio Network com. Okay, uh, airtime pro. All right. Uh, okay, Lawrence, try to fill us in on the uh, European trip of the G7 meeting. Uh, your thoughts of it, uh, your opinion, and also kind of give us what was actually what was discussed and what agreements were made of any. Okay, so let's put things in their proper um, context. First of all, um, I want to just let your listeners just to reiterate something. I've been here. I've been in Dublin, Ireland since um, September of 2018. So I came kind of at the height of um, the Trump administration. And um, I I finished my master's at Trinity College. So I really had a chance to immerse with um, other students internationally. And I got a lot of opinions from a lot of people in various other departments and people from all over the world congregate here. That's what Dublin's kind of known for. And in, in, in free-thinking opinions, okay, we're, it's not really um, skewed one way or the other. So at first, um, people genuinely um, didn't understand why Americans voted for Donald Trump, okay? 
and they were um, uh, uh, very aggrieved by his policies. So once he was out of office and Biden came in, people kind of withdrew as far as making an opinion because they wanted to wait to see what would happen. Six months into the administration, there is a general sigh of relief, not just in Ireland, but in Europe in general. And I'm, I'm saying this in a broad context because I belong to so many um, forums. And I say forums in general um, as, as a playwright, as a screenwriter, as a director. I also am a script reader, so I deal with a lot of production companies. Um, I'm also an educator. So I have a chance to, in several different countries also. So I interact with a lot, a lot of people. And they, they feel confident in speaking with me and think tanks also. So I am able to get a, an unbiased, excuse the pun, my last name, um, but I, I can get a, an honest um, assessment as far as how people feel about America at this point. And there's been a really positive shift as far as, and I'm speaking the average person, both educated, uneducated, okay, and, and a person in all different fields of study. People feel that um, at for, in one way, as, as the news is reported, and I say to media, I'm speaking media, verified media. People, media in the sense where we understand journalism to be where you verify sources. Okay, so I don't want to hear this fake news, anybody, Tom. <laughs> okay, this well, is verified well, media. No. Okay, well, where you say that, okay, America is back in the game. America is what we can count on. This is a democracy. This is when people vote. And, you know, it, it, it's about equality. It's about doing the right thing. It's about when America is an ally to another country, you can depend on them. Okay? This is, these are the principles that we hold true. Okay? That we had always held true. We are not a separatist you know, ideology as a country. And this, and this is what we had, we did separate ourselves for four years. And that's what America had never been about. And that's what the G7 has reestablished themselves to be. And it's a real um, sigh of relief that has occurred. And I don't just mean, say, in one, you know, um, the many newspapers that I have read or, as I mentioned, the different forms, it is the general consensus throughout all the European nations, through throughout Asia, southeastern Asia also, everyone feels the same way against all political parties. Okay, let me ask you a question. I mean, let me throw it back to you. Okay, first of all, what was the big issues? Okay, that they didn't like that. I mean, they don't, I mean, I want specific issues. I don't want to. You know, we don't like the guy. You know, what didn't they? What policies did they not like? Number one, this he was he created America as a separatist ideology. Okay, what do you? How do you define that? <laughs> okay, let me let me let me let me let me put it to you this way: as I taught a an eight year old today, you have an apple. Tom, and within an yeah. apple, we have seeds. If one seed goes bad, what happens to the apple? It's a question for you, Tom. 
What happens to an oh, apple what happens, if one seed goes bad? It all goes bad. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And America for four years was pretending that it could stay healthy, and it can't because that's not how this planet works. In order well, okay, for America to have stayed, in order for America to have thrived and been the power that it is, it needed to continue to work with other countries. And Donald Trump's administration truly believed that it could be like this big bad wolf and pull itself away and demand things, and it wasn't. And it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna hold you off right there, and I'll, I'll get back to you, and I'll have Kyle join as well. Uh, I totally disagree with everything you just said, though, because then what? I mean, what you saw within the Trump administration was, I mean, first and foremost. You, know, you did see a strengthening of the NATO alliance in this regard. You've made many of these countries pay more percent that they have. It's hard to sit back and tell Americans, put your sons on the line, lives on the line against any foreign threats in Europe if you're not going to pull your freight full freight. And, and, I, and I'm going to throw back, okay, for example, one of the things we did, we basically went to the Germans and said, you know, do you really want to have that pipeline to Putin? Putin and be self-dependent upon his natural gas and then ask us to defend you later. I mean, these are facts that needed to be said to the Europeans. Uh, the other aspect that comes into play, if you look in the Pacific side of the equation, you saw a strength in what we would call the Quad, which is India, Australia, South Korea, and the United States as an alliance, let's say, against China. So I don't necessarily agree. I, I would say this. I would say there was a difference of opinion of what foreign policy should be and how it should be resurrected. But I'm not going to. You know, I don't buy into that. You're saying this was complete separatism. Uh, separatism. All right. I'll let you respond, and then Kyle, I want you to get your view on this. Oh, go ahead, Lauren. No, Tom. I will. Well, no, Tom. You, I, you're taking a break, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, this is your, no, 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 I'm not saying break. I'm asking you to respond to me and then have Kyle respond uh, because I'm letting my guests get the last words. Oh, well, thank you. You're so kind. Plus, you are the European. There's a of water between us right now. Listen, yeah. what I'm going to say is this. First of all, he weakened the border between North Korea and South Korea. Totally. So just so you know that. There's a weakness. Or just so you know, okay, North Korea actually blew up a, a building between the border, okay? He withdrew troops. He was going to withdraw troops on, in Germany, okay? So he's weakened the alliance that we had with Germany completely. So that doesn't help anybody. He's weakened our security that we have in the European Union completely. So what he has increased um, – our problems that we had with import tax with China, and you know what he did to our farmers in the United States? He practically bankrupted the farms we have in the United States. And then he did a bailout with money that could have been going to Americans. So you're telling me how that works. Okay, Kyle, I'll let you go. Uh, you, you have an opinion? Oh, yeah, well, sure. I, I think, you know, basically that uh, – Trump did exactly what she, what she was saying. You know, I mean, the, the world basically viewed America as the pariah that Trump 
his um, in his person. So um, yeah, so it's like I said, when you have like a, a basically a vile human being running the country, and and he's on the news every day and and calling our allies names and you know basically putting all of our all of our like World War II allies, you know, kind of like making them you know the bad guy, you know, which is like, are you serious right now? You know, I mean, you t- and like basically all the people from those countries are generally the people that kind of founded America. So um, uh, that, you know, stole America from the Native Americans, but we'll get into that at some other point. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you, let me ask both of you this, this question because, okay, you mentioned the, the NATO Germany. Two questions. Number one, forget, some of those troops ended up in Poland. They, that's where they ended up, where you had uh, the Polish feeling threatened by the advance of Putin. So, I mean, that's not necessarily true. He, he withdrew them. He basically moved some of those troops and moved some of those troops back home. Now, let me give you this question to the both of you, and then we'll get out of this segment, is to what extent, how long, because we've been there for 80 years, uh, Europe, basically, the GDP of Europe is like 10 times that of Russia. I mean, that's your number one threat. If that's a, you know, if you have a threat, it'll be Putin. And then you have China as your second threat, another threat. Right? So I would say they're probably the number one threat. But here's my question. How long do you keep troops in Europe before you, know, you make the point, you know, not – how long do you keep them in Europe when these countries are fully capable of defending themselves? But I'll leave that. I'll let you I'll, – I'll go with you first, Kyle, then I have Lauren finish up, and then we'll go from there. Okay, uh, go ahead, Kyle. All right. Um, well, as, as far as, like, you know, um, balance in, in things and countries asking other countries what to do, like uh, after 9-11, we're the only country to ever ask people to come to our defense and, uh, collectively. So, uh, so it's, it's kind of disingenuous um, to, to talk about, like, other people not doing their fair share when we're the only one that, that asks other people to put their country's men and women on the line for us. So I, let's, I think that that is an important um, aspect of this conversation that is not mentioned enough by people like myself. Okay, okay. Lauren, your, your thoughts? The reason why we have... The reason why we have troops in other parts of Europe right now is called civilization of power. That's why they're there. You're at the ready, and it's the stabilization of power, and it's the organization of the stabilization of power. That's the purpose of it. It can't be localized all in North America. All right. Okay. I'm going to hold on to that thought, so we'll come back after this break. Uh, you, um, I guess I, I promised them they get the last word, and they do, because uh, I'm a nice guy. You here are. Here in the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> and Coco Kosky says she's got a story for us as well, uh, so we'll talk to her. And I do want to get into the dildo story, because I'm, I'm just fascinated by it. You might know me on 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook okay. friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger 
and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. So thank you. We're back here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're talking with Lauren Bice, the European correspondent, who gave us the latest uh, about what's going on in Europe. Uh, Kyle Hester, the independent filmmaker extraordinary, and we'll and we also got Coco Kronsky on the line, uh, who's re, who's who's had a month from hell. Uh, if you can think of anything that ever happened, um, could ever happen to somebody. I, it happened. Yeah, oh, by the way, it only happened to me. Um, yeah, real oh, by quick, way, guys. By the way, before we go any before we go any further, uh, we should we should point out. Uh, you know, I mean, Lauren and Kyle may not be aware of this, uh, but uh, they. I'm going to point this out. Uh, this you know, is your second anniversary of you and Steve being together. So oh, congratulations. God. Thank Happy you. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. Oh, you guys. Oh. Yeah, we actually did get to celebrate our anniversary because we both been so sick. I mean, it was to the point where we, we booked. Okay, this is insane. Kyle, this is how insane L.A. is right now. You know the restaurant, The Castaway, Kyle? I've never been there. But you've heard of it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, this is how insane they are. So we made a reservation for the 12th, and um, the only time they were going to be able to see us was 5 p.m. That, that was the only availability. So now that I'm feeling better, I went on, and I was like, well, let me make a reservation for this weekend. There are no open availability for the next three weeks. Wow. Wow. I, mean, I know it's wow. a, I know it's a nice upscale restaurant, but it's not Morden's. It's not Mastro's. I I have no idea why there is no availability for the next three weeks. Like I've never heard of a restaurant like that. And they have an amazing menu. They do. They have a great menu, great drinks. Um, but I was just like, I don't want to wait four weeks. That's insane. Okay. Yeah, that is insane. But you know what? The thing is, California's opening up, so probably everybody, you got a lot of We actually today, you know what? You know what? Uh, California actually completely reopened today, so no masks, no social distancing oh. for, the, for the vaccinated. But so I'm like, I'm actually really excited to sit in bumper to bumper traffic in all my life. This is like exciting. It's wonderful. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Here's the short. This is the short. Well, I have a this story is like. For you real quick, Tom. You're gonna, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Real story. quick. You you guys are going to love this story. This is a very heartwarming, hilarious story. So this happened in 2019. I just got wind of it. But there's a dog um, that has been bribed by a bear. So how does this happen? Well, um, Jesse Jordan, who's the guy who owns the dog Brixley, um, he was supposed – the dog is basically like a guard dog that was supposed to keep an eye – to keep any bears away from the trash at night. But – uh, this bear is smart. So this happened um, in Canada. Um, the guy realized that a wild animal may have outsmarted his dog to gain access to his trash. So <laughs> on northern Ontario, he had his dog, uh, Brickleberry. Um, you know, he was a massive part beagle. Um, Jordan was hoping to enlist this pet as a guard dog to keep the bears away from his trash at night. One bear, however, clearly had another idea. Um, in a series of tweets that he wrote and pictures, 
He revealed that his idiot furry son had successfully been bribed with a deer bone by a neighborhood bear on three separate occasions. No so way. Anytime, anytime the bear would come, this bear would come around, he would gift the dog massive amounts of deer, dead deer bones, and the dog <laughs> gladly accepted them and let the the bear go through the trash. This happened every night. I I, I looked at the pictures. I looked at the pictures, Tom. This looks like it's an entire deer carcass this bear left him. It's not a bone. It's like a carcass. That's so, wow. so nice there. Um, so it was basically like to the point where he realized that Brick and the bear were actually friends. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures right now, and they're they're massive. This is in, you know, um, so basically the bear had learned that his furry son can be bought. So this I was like the third that. time he had been gifted deer deer carcasses in exchange for being allowed access to the trash. And I the dog that. told wow. the day keeps doing it. <laughs> that is a great story. So I okay, thought now, that's amazing. Well, by I way, thought this that was amazing. A, yeah. Now, this is a political story. Uh, uh-huh. A sheriff is running for mayor in New Mexico. He's given a speech. Okay. And all of a sudden, he looks up. There's a strange intruder. A dildo is Uh-oh. attached to the drone. And, of course, everybody is, <laughs> like, trying to figure this thing out. You know, they're kind of catching what it is. They're trying to assess what's going on. As it turns out, they're, they're, I mean, you can imagine the scene. A sheriff's giving a speech. He wants to be mayor. And you got, and they're, you know, you know hanging over him <laughs> is, a, is a dildo <laughs> on a drone. You know, floating around the sheriff. It's going around the sheriff. Dude, that's hilarious. And, um, I mean, that's hilarious. And, that's right. And interesting enough, the owner of the event, uh, the owner of the event attempted to pull down the drone. That wasn't, which prompted, oh, there was actually, I guess the owner of the sex toy was in the audience. And, of course, she emerged from the crowd. Oh, my God, that's crowd. amazing. That's amazing. No way. No, no, no. Well, here's the kicker. I mean, here's the kicker. It's okay, the guy's the sheriff, running for office. And, of course, to get her, you know, to get the drone out of his hands, she slaps the uh, sheriff's, uh, uh, sheriff's hand. Now, I do not know whether or not she got arrested for uh, hitting a police officer. Well, maybe but, the sheriff uh, was a real dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I know you miss my inappropriate humor. Don't lie. <laughs> well, I, well, actually, it, yeah. What can I say? I mean, actually, that is the pro- I mean. Of course, I love this line. I mean, here's the thing. We denounce demeaning actors and urge residents to participate in the political process in a respectful manner. I don't know. But I have to admit. I mean, I have to. Well, hey, dildos aren't cheap, okay? Dildos aren't cheap. So you know what? Good for her. Good for her. They're not cheap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or I guess. Well, okay, well, Tom, I can imagine. If they were, so, Tom, hold on. I'm going to go really inappropriate yeah. right now, so be warned. Um, can you imagine if they were, like, squirting dildos, though? You know the mechanical, <laughs> mechanical dildos that, like, literally will squirt out, like, this, like, cream-based thing? I would have loved to see that. Uh, imagine. Well, and there's, like, all these dildos just, like, squirt, like, all this, like, fake sperm well, like down saying, his oh face. We just we, – we <laughs> well, That would be like, amazing. We just, we just give it – uh, 
the opponents of this uh, sheriff and just some more ideas for the next attack. Yeah. But I, yeah. But I have to imagine. I mean, you're sitting there giving a speech and they're looking up and there's, you know, going around. You. I mean, I, I mean that had got to be pretty funny. But, uh, uh, but okay. One last thing, and then uh, I do want to get to Kyle, uh, and that is. Oh, Kyle. Nate, um, yeah, go on. Go ahead. Yeah. Nathan's famous. Say, um, I, goddamn. <laughs> 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 When you say go ahead, I knew it was my turn to scream. So hard. I'm never going to sleep. Never. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. No, this I was going to say, I saw, oh, my yeah. God. Okay. Yeah. All, all I got to say, last thing, and then I want to get the get into Kyle because I want Kyle. He's got some things coming up, and I want to let him have a chance to talk about it. Uh, oh, Nathan's yeah. Famous Hot Dogs is now adding vegan oh. hot dogs to its menu. And for those people who know anything about Nathan, uh, uh, it's a great hot dog. It's a I great love, hot I'm, ex- I'm so excited they're making a vegan one. I'm at, no, making I a swear vegan to one. Tom, I, I'm so excited yeah. because, like, um, I had to, like, basically cut out red meat, so I went for these, like, vegan burgers. Oh! And, like, obviously they don't taste like, they don't taste like real meat but i'm telling you they're super tasty they're like it's it's like it's like an enhanced veggie burger that is like it has basically tom it's the same consistency as a real burger so it isn't like it's so good i'm actually excited to try that okay okay uh, okay lauren you got any thoughts on this because i know uh, you're a vegan correct i am a vegan are you vegan 17 years 17 years 17 years Oh wow! Yeah, so I don't eat dairy. No dairy. Yeah, I'm 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 a. I know I I I just I can't have dairy, so that's why I if I go for dessert or I go for something that's like, I know that won't kill me. I usually go for a vegan place. Oh my god! Okay, I have I have a funny, I have a funny anecdote about this because I um, okay I didn't really know what a vegan was. I, I thought it was like, you know, someone who eats really clean. So but this is years ago. And, um, okay, so, yeah. and I was eating like pretty clean at the time, you know, like lots of vegetables okay. and all that kind of stuff. And, and then yeah. the person that I was yeah. talking to was a vegan and they were like, Oh yeah. So I'm a vegan and all that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, well, I'm pretty much a vegan and, except for the chicken. I, I do eat chicken. <laughs> and, <laughs> and <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize what I just stepped in with that. But uh, it was like, it was like, you know, record scratch, you know, like uh, it, the room stopped, you know, it's like, oh, what oh I just God. say, you know, so yeah, anyway, that, that I, actually I happened. Call myself, I'm a half, I'm a half vegan, so most of the time I eat, I do eat That's meat, and I, I'm upset, I, I won't give up fish, no. there's no, no way, I, I'd rather Ooh. give up meat than uh, fish, um, and, but yeah, most of the time I do eat vegan. I yeah. just don't eat dairy. Okay, well, here's, well, here's, a, well, here's the thing. I was a Roman Catholic, and I always love, you know, speaking of meat, uh, you know, like it was supposed to be, you know, you know through when we were growing up, you know, Friday was the day you gave up meat. And, right. Um, yeah. I'm but but here's yeah. the thing. Yeah, but here's the thing. They always had the rule, but, well, we're not going to count fish as meat. Yeah. So you can eat fish. <laughs> it's like we're gonna eliminate all meat from your diet, except for the Pope said. But we'll dedicate fish as non-meat for Friday. 
And I, I know, remember that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yes. I love yeah. this. Uh, so. I, 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 eat, I, eat, I eat fish so much that, like, I actually am going to – I'm not surprised if I get mercury poisoning one day. Like, I'll uh, have fish, yeah. like, probably four or five times a week. It's so good. Okay, well, you know, we all we all have to die from something, Coco. So you just live your life. I, I, if I, if, you know what? If I'm going to die about anything, it's going to be overloading on sushi. That's my death. I would gladly take yeah. that. Yeah. I would gladly take okay, that. Okay, before we get any further, because we're kind of in the last segment of the show, and Kyle, you've been you you you've got your movie coming up. Uh, preacher doing the final thing on Preacher Six, and I know you've been advertising. Uh, you know, you know how people can support this uh, the finishing of the project. So, why don't you kind of let people know how they can help you, Preacher Six? Right on. Well, we have just launched another Indiegogo campaign doing just that. And I know that it's like every t- times are tough for everybody. So, like anything that happens on the Indiegogo is appreciated. Just look up Preacher Six on there. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle D Hester. You can see what's happening with that. But um, I am back in Hollywood, so in case anybody you was paying attention, I am in Hollywood. I am, like, living now uh, basically by Sunset and Lexington, so, like, in the middle okay, of right by awesome. West Hollywood. Yeah. I know where you are, yeah. soccer. <laughs> yeah. Soccer. I know exactly yeah. where you are. Are you, yeah. are you making yeah. the move to Burbank? No, no. We, we, we're landed. We just signed a lease. So this oh, is, awesome. uh, so this, at okay. least for now, you know. We'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Burbank yeah. is getting now, expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of very briefly, just kind of give people an outline of what the, the movie is all about. Uh, uh, preacher you know, Six is about a small-town preacher who comes into the big city and ends up fighting demons in a literal sense. It's, it's an action suspense kind of thing with lots of VFX. Yeah. So that's uh, that is what we're raising money for now is to, to finish up the VFX, which is like, you know, it's like a yeah. lot that, uh, that, yeah, as an indie maker, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just do this. And then it's like, oh, do you really know what you're doing? And I was like, well, no, but we'll just do it. So here I am, like, going, ah! okay, now I've got to raise money and make that happen. So that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, by the way, I you just start? I saw the, uh, I saw the zombie killed with a shotgun. It was awesome. Oh, right on. Zombie with a shotgun. But, hey, that's cool. Um, actually, Hilton is now, um, he's talking about doing a zombie too. So he's started his Patreon nice. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'll be working with him to get that done too. Thanks. Zombie with a shotgun. Check it out. Yeah, zombie. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, so. It's on Tubi and it's on uh, Prime. That's right. Look at you. And I'm not gonna. Thanks. I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but it's it's also on some illegal websites like Cut Locker. Yeah, you know what? I would burn them all down to the ground. You show them. Give me some names and addresses. Oh, yeah. I would burn them down. Yeah, oh my god! I'll definitely send them to you. Ah, thank yeah. you. I you know yeah. I because I, I was like my my uh, my kiddo was like showing me something on Cut Locker, and I was like, and I looked through the horror section, and your movie was on there. I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Kyle will be really pissed off. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. you know what? Here's the thing. Um, never say their name again because they, those people do not deserve any kind of yeah. airtime at all. No, for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. No, I totally agree so, with you. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Well, the thing is, because I know you've been working on this project for quite a long time, and I know uh, Coco has mentioned this to me numerous times, and you have too, that the final editing process probably is the longest part uh-huh. of the movie, is it not? Mm-hmm. 
Bro, it, it, you don't even know, is. Tom. You don't even know. Yeah. yeah. You don't even know. Like before, before, yeah. I, before I was with Steve, I thought, I thought I was like, oh, editors, you know, yeah, it's a cool job. But then I didn't realize how much work it is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even if you have three or four editors, it's still a lot of work. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Laura? What's been your kind of ex- your experience? Because I know you've done television in in this area, um, and you've done you know film and uh, you know as a because you do most as a writer. Let me ask you a question: How do you work in the editing team? What's your thoughts on what they're going through? Oh, I, I've done it all. I've done I do editing. I do my own editing on my scripts. Everything. It's a lot of work. Editing is like the hardest part. At the end, it takes. It's yeah. hours and hours and hours. It can take months. If you have 50 hours of footage, you can take six months on 50 hours of footage, just to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just so yeah. much work. I mean, I actually like editing. I like doing it. You know, if I write my own scripts, I direct it, and I edit, and I like it. I mean, I actually love the editing process because I, I like having the hands-on doing it, and I like to the final result, and I know what I'm doing, you know. I mean, I love it. It's like, you know, it's like editing your own scripts, you know, your own words. And I like doing the old, I, I, it's fun, you know, but it, it's very time-consuming, you know. But sometimes it's good to have other eyes on your film, have someone yeah. else look at it. And so I like to work with somebody else, you know. Yeah. Well, I like one other person with me to do it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of time. The bulk of your time yeah. is always the editing phase at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, it's, you know, because all three of you guys have, you know, have brought this to my attention because, like I said, I'm, you know, you guys are the experts when it comes down to the film part of the maze and the filming part of the uh, business, you know. Uh, so it's always right. very nice to have the, the three of you on the show. So, listen, I'll tell you what, very briefly, uh um, I want to kind of again thank Lauren Bice for being on the show uh, because right now it is what uh, what midnight. It is midnight. Almost. Jesus, Lauren. Yeah, yeah. So and then and then and and, and obviously Kyle's in the middle of his day. Uh, well, uh, so Lauren, I appreciate you, you taking some, some non-chicken vegan stuff for uh, <laughs> for dessert. <laughs> I will. Well, in honor of, in, in, in honor of you, Lauren, I am going to a vegan restaurant for dinner tonight. Oh, I haven't even heard that. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is. Post yeah, a picture. I will. Yeah. It was nice to see you guys. Your voices connect with you guys again. Me too. No? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's always great. It's always great to, like I said, we got about one minute left. So, uh, uh uh, I want to again thank Kyle uh, for being on the show. I want to thank Lauren for uh, being on the show, talking about what's going on in Europe, and uh, and I want to kind of also thank about the, you know, everything you guys have contributed to tonight's show. And Aww. so this is Tom Donaldson. We will be on tomorrow night with the Donaldson Files, followed by the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. Um, and uh, so we will I'll say good night. We'll see you next week here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Last night, 3 News investigator Rachel Polanski pinpointed the small amount of training required of police officers, not only in Ohio, but across the nation. Tonight, in part two of her exclusive investigation, is a college degree the key to bridging that divide between police and the communities they serve. What we've witnessed in our cities this summer isn't new. We've been building towards this for quite some time. Neither is the call for changing our police forces. It's been here for decades. From marches in the south, turmoil in our largest cities to our smallest. But what happened in Minneapolis sparked a louder call for change that's still being heard. A reimagining of how we choose our police officers. It's part of a long history of uh, police brutality against people of color. Cleveland State Professor Dr. Ronnie Dunn has studied criminal justice for years. He says not only do police need more training hours, but the entire profession needs to consider requiring a college degree, just as we do with other professions, like teachers, doctors, and lawyers. When you consider the awesome power that we uh, bestow or entrust in our police officers, it would be expected that there would be higher levels of educational requirements. Three News Investigates found that America's police forces are among the least trained in the world. Yet our cities give officers guns and arrest powers after just weeks of schooling. I'm asked very regularly about like what states are doing it right. And the best I can say is who's the best among the worst. Randy Shrewberry is a former Cincinnati area police officer and founder of the Institute for Criminal Justice Training Reform. I just can't say that, that there's anyone in the U.S. right now that, that's doing it right. He says requiring college degrees like many European nations already do would shift training costs away from taxpayers and make our officers better educated and less susceptible to misconduct. We need to have training that is heavier on criminology, uh, the causes of crime, and, and why that they you know, may be committing crimes. These experts and others believe increasing requirements like a college degree will not discourage minorities, but rather entice them. If we do see real substantive change taking place, then that will encourage young African-American and people of color to go into the field, to help transform the field of police. For a look at all of our research and the data we gathered for parts one and two of this report, you can head on over to our website, that's WKYC.com, and click on the Investigations tab. Rachel Polanski, 3 News. Hey, want to welcome everyone to another episode of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I am one of the co-hosts of the show, uh, Chief Virgil Green, and my co-host is going to be joining us here pretty shortly, but we have a, uh, a great um, uh, topic that we're going to be uh, talking with you guys about, uh, and it's a topic that is not often talked about in the law enforcement industry, and it's something that's going to be really surprising and shocking to you, our listening audience, to know that um, uh, to become a police officer does not require a whole lot of, of training. Um, and uh, a lot of states actually require more professional training to become a barber, uh, to become a, a, a licensed plumber, and to become a licensed electrician than it takes to become a certified police officer. And so uh, tonight we're going to be uh, talking about uh, there are 37 states that allow police to work 
before even attending a basic law enforcement training academy. And so uh, this is uh, something that uh, the public uh, needs to be aware of. It's something that uh, we believe also has uh, contributed to the issues that are going on in the police industry uh, where we have seen, uh, you know, unarmed black men and women that have been uh, killed by police officers. And so uh, talking about the training that goes into being a police officer is real important. And one of the uh, comments that was made in the audio that you just listened to was, should police officers, uh, should more cities and police departments require police officers to have a bachelor's degree? Uh, you have some agencies uh, that do require that, um, and you have some who do not require that. Uh, and so we're going to be talking about uh, what are the benefits of having more uh, educated police officers serving uh, our communities and how uh, more educated police officers make better decisions. Uh, and this is something that has been proven through uh, several studies, and um, but it's not knocking individuals who do not have a college degree, but it definitely uh, goes into helping officers make better uh, choices and better decisions uh, when they deal with, with, with citizens. So, um, again, we want to thank you for tuning in to you and the Law Podcast Show, and if you are a first-time listener, uh, the calling number to the show is 646-929-0130. And uh, we definitely want to encourage you to follow uh, follow us on our so social media platform. You can follow You and the Law on Facebook uh, at You and the Law 1. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at You and – on Instagram at You underscore and the Law. And you can also follow us on Twitter at You – and the law one that's on Twitter at you and the law one. So um, again, if you would like to join in on our conversation, if you have some comments about uh, some of the topics that we're, we're going to be talking about with law enforcement training, uh, if you've got some knowledge and insight into this uh, topic, or if you are alarmed by the fact that um, uh, out of the 37 states, that the basic training hours is 647 hours. So uh, to become a, a certified police officer in 37 states, it only requires 647 hours. So uh, if you've got a comment about that, uh, please call in and, and let our uh, producer know that, hey, you would like to come on and, and talk with us about, about that. Or if you'd just like to go to our Facebook page and leave your comments there, uh, please do that, and we'll definitely reply to those. So. Um, again, this is something that we uh, that is uh, in the law enforcement industry. It's uh, a lot of things are not talked about, um, and to, you'll probably be surprised that there is no federal um, legislation that mandates uh, states to uh, have more um, training hours for police officers. Uh, uh, all of those are set by uh, states. Every state has um, 
their state legislators make those uh, guidelines and rules for their uh, law enforcement, uh, state-run law enforcement training academies to uh, to set those training hours. And uh, so this is something that increasing the training hours will definitely um, put out a better police officer. And uh, throughout the show, I'm going to share with you all um, a story that, that uh, an incident that happened with a police officer uh, who went through a training, and uh, he, he was the only, he was the first black uh, deputy who was hired at this uh, sheriff. And uh, several weeks into the training, uh, the instructor uh, actually used the N-word, knowing that there he was the only black male sitting in the classroom. The the uh, instructor used the N word and uh, he brought it to the attention of the uh, who was running the academy. Uh, very little was done about it. The instructor actually apologized for it. But this goes to a deeper conversation about the culture of policing. That uh, obviously this instructor felt very comfortable with using the N-word with a black male sitting in the classroom, which is very disturbing. So that lets you know that prior to him being in the classroom, being the only black male going through this academy, that this instructor most likely had used that word just freely with other cadets in the classroom. And the this cadet actually stated that uh, the other cadets were not even bothered by it. So we have a serious problem in the culture of policing that we really need to address, but we're going to take our first break. And when we come out of this break, we're going to get into back into the conversation of talking about the training requirements for police officers across the United States. But you are listening to you and the law on the bachelor news radio network. Sally Beauty's new all-in-one hair color kits make it easy to color your hair at home. Get everything you need to color for beautifully radiant results. Loved by professionals, open to everyone. Sally Beauty. Blog Talk Radio. To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. Blog Talk Radio. Chapel Hill in Carborough, North Carolina. Uh, L.A. Bachelor here. It's uh, you and your law broadcast. If you have any questions, give us a call at 
0130. Never get in touch with us. Press one to get on the line. I uh, want to go back to uh, Chief Virgil Green, co-host of You and the Law, um, with his topic. Chief, I just um, my quick comment is that you know it's not just uh, the education or the training. I, I just it doesn't seem like a lot of these cops that have some of these incidents, uh, some being very tragic. Uh, they, they are not checking psychological things. I mean, I saw a video of a, a, a guy and his wife outside, and um, to me it, it goes down different lines, not just, you know, white officers and agencies uh, like you just mentioned for the break, but the, it was a uh, Mexican cop who was driving down the street saw a black man and woman standing outside a house and turned around and said they looked suspicious just because they were standing outside the house. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. and and the, the fact is that they said, look, you know, we're just out here. We just, you just saw the uh, landscaper leave the house and you're still questioning. And then they want ID, which they don't have to give. They're on their property, right. which they don't have. They can't be. And just poor education, just like the the guy brought out, I don't mean to get long-winded, but the guy um, apparently has uh, not only been stopped before, but he's, he's, well, he's knowledgeable. The homeowner, he pulled out the penal code. The two officers, yeah. the white officer who finally came, and the Mexican officer didn't even know the code. And they work for him. And just like he said on the tape, you know, anybody could be a cop if that's the case. If I could pull up the code and you don't even know it, what kind of training are you getting in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, L.A. And and that uh, audio clip, that video clip that you're talking about is something that I've seen. And uh, and I think it's uh, – we actually may have talked about it in a previous episode on You and the Law. And – but – it, you know, when we talk about the training in L.A., we, training goes into uh, these officers, their their personal skills. And so, you know, when officers are initially hired, you go through, you know, all of the background check, the screenings, you do psychological, all these things. Some, some agencies do polygraphs. Uh, and there's a psych, there's a, a psychological uh, part of it, and in some states it's called an MMPI, which may be pretty much nationwide. And the the sad part about that, LA and, and our listeners, is that this is maybe a 700, 800 questionnaire that you go through and you answer throughout the 700 or 800 questions. Some of the questions are repetitive they're just worded a different way and so you answer that it gets submitted to uh, a person who uh, examines the your your answers and they decide oh okay yeah this guy you know he's okay and so then you're moved on down the line through, through the next process and so for an officer to just go through something like that, uh, that is raises a lot of questions because even I went through the same type of uh, a questionnaire, and 
it was like if this is all that you have to go through just to determine how insane how sane you are then anybody can pass this test because it's just something that i mean if you've taken it more than one time you already know how to answer the questions and so it, it's a real big concern la uh as to uh, the training that police officers get, uh, even before in L.A., this is before you even have contact with citizens. And so uh, just like the, the, the clip that you were just talking about, here it is, a, a husband and a wife, they're outside in their front yard, but then you've got an officer who wants to take it upon himself to go on somebody's private property and to question them about, uh, do they have the right to be there? I mean, again, the question is, do you have the right to be there? And and I think one of the things that we, that that me and uh, Chief Humphrey, we we try to keep it real on our podcast show about, you know, if officers do something wrong, we're not just going to try to minimize it and say, well, you know, that's how they're training, that's how they were taught during their training. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong, and and I hope people will uh, definitely appreciate the the honesty that we both bring to to this type of platform, and the fact that uh, the one thing that you know this show is called you and the law. So we want you to know what your rights are when dealing with the police. What uh, even if the officer does not know, uh, even if the officer wants to. Uh, give the appearance that you don't know what the law is. And in this case, L.A., as you mentioned, uh, the homeowner actually knew the penal code more than the uh, police officer did. Well, you know, I, do you think that the it, the issue uh, starts with the lack of universal training? In, in other words, what you mentioned, you know, it has to be training across the board. Like it, it in this case... It, in sports, I know uh, a lot of the athletes, and specifically quarterbacks and positions of, of leadership, have to do this wonderlick test. And that's that's what the police test sounds like. They're asking you these questions, and they reword them, and they bring them back. And it's this mind-mental thing that has nothing to do with really playing on the field. I'm taking it from the sports side, playing on the mm -hmm. field, making decisions. It's just some stuff that they – even at the, the high levels, you 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 know, we all been at the, at a high, a high level in terms of higher education. Um, a lot of these SATs and things um, are just ridiculous and meaningless, and it's, it's really about who has connections and who has money in some cases, and it just seems like with policing, it – it's no uniform uh, federal law or federal thing across the board. And so when you get into these agencies, it's really like, ah, oh, it's just kind of a formality. You're going to go through the academy. You're going to be on the force. Just go ahead and take the test and keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the, the one of the conversations that have been had this past year is that there is not any – federal legislation that mandates 
states to have certain requirements in place. Now, there are some states that are, well, I'll say there are some police departments that actually uh, they do more training that is required by the state minimum. And so you do have some agencies who do more than 647 hours of basic training. Um, but, you know, I think even L.A., when you officers go through all of this background check, psychological check, they go through the academy, they go through field training, program, uh, uh, field training, they get out on the street, and a year, maybe two years go by, and then all of a sudden the true person of who this man or woman is actually comes out. Give an example uh, in Oklahoma City. Several years ago, a uh, police officer uh, by the last name of uh, Hostclaws went through uh, Oklahoma City's training academy, which they have a very high uh, – they exceed the state minimum requirements for uh, basic uh, police training. So he goes through all of this rigorous uh, training, FTO training, and several years later, this man uh, starts terrorizing black women in northeast Oklahoma City. Uh, here's a police officer who is actually raping women on duty, uh, going to their homes unannounced, uh, taking advantage of women who are, not, uh, who are very vulnerable. And so you, you have to even ask, ask yourself, okay, here's a person who went through all of her training who's supposed to be one of the, the, the best police officers, and years, a year or two later after he's uh, served with this agency, here he is out here violating women's rights, uh, raping women on duty, pulling them over on traffic stops, and uh, just terrorizing women, and uh, black women. And so – uh, I think this is a much deeper conversation, L.A., because of the the people that are being put in place to supposedly to protect and serve our citizens. And, and so, you know, this this conversation that we're having about uh, the training requirements. Um, is something that is a – there are so many others to this conversation about it's not just training, but it's about the type of individual that is being hired with either you, whether it's with the sheriff department, whether it's with a municipal agency, or whether it's with a state police. Um, you, you see guys make – bad decisions and you wonder, okay, if you had all of your training, how are you making these bad decisions in L.A.? And the thing is, too, uh, Virgil, I go back to um, the point of, you know, the wink, wink, you know, I got you. You just go through the yeah. motions. I mean, um, you know, my nephew is on the force, but even with him, he was already told, look, you're in, by, by the chief. 
Look, you're you're in a, a predominantly white area. You're one of the few minorities we have on the force. You're probably going to get this, this, and that. So he's kind of letting them know, but he's basically telling them before he even put on the uniform, you're in. We need you. Fill in some quarters mm-hmm. or whatever, or his, his talent or whatever scores he had in terms of my nephew's pretty athletic and stuff. Um, but, you know, it, it, it just always – it just seems like there is no – real actual training and then Virgil it goes back to the heart and I mean the heart of a person if they really want to be good um officers and a and 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 law enforcement then they will take the proper training do the additional things to be the best they can I I got you ever been in my place I got notes and everything everywhere I'm doing extra mm-hmm. training. I teach my kids to do that. Do the extra work. Find out what's going on, what the topic is, and things of that nature, so you can be the best. Because at the end of the day, it's the, you got Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey who's trying to do the right thing, and then you got some dirty cop or some cop that's screwing up and making you guys look bad in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, L.A., man, we're coming up on taking our next break, so we're going to take this break, and we're going to come back and get into this conversation. And uh, we're going to come back with, in the state of Arkansas, you can work 12 months before going through a basic police academy training. So we're going to get into that topic about law enforcement training, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you. Welcome back to the show. It's you and the law here on the Bastion News Radio Network and uh, WCOM, Chapel Hill, Carborough, many other outlets as well. You can hit uh, Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green on their Facebook page, the you and the law Facebook page. Don't forget um, the podcast is on our site, our temp site, to be uh, honest with you. Uh, it is pro. So if you want to go back and listen to the rebroadcast, you can listen um, every day at noon and 6 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, um, the rebroadcast of this show and any other You and the Law 
broadcast that they have. Uh, I want to kick it back to good friend, uh, co-host, Chief Virgil Green. Well, hey, thanks, L.A. And uh, we want to thank our listeners for uh, staying tuned in with uh, you and the Law Podcast Show, a show where we uh, definitely discuss matters related to you uh, in the law enforcement community, and we want to provide you with uh, some very good information uh, that hopefully will enlighten you uh, about this uh, industry of policing and what really needs to change in the police industry, uh, especially after a year that we've seen, uh, you know, the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, and so many others. And uh, we continue to see uh, police misconduct. And I think some of that you know, uh, misconduct just goes back to the individual uh, that is wearing the the uniform, L.A., in our listeners. And right before the the break, I shared with you that one of the states that uh, where uh, me as a police chief, I actually served the police chief uh, in Arkansas, and uh, so I could uh, hire a uh, a person who had no experience and say, hey, here's a a badge and a gun, Uh, here's a car, and uh, you can work for 12 months without going to a basic training. What may happen in those 12 months is that this officer, male or female, may uh, may not make it through six months, and something may happen, disciplinary issues, where they have been dismissed. Well, now they go to another agency and uh, they may work over here and they still haven't completed their basic uh, law enforcement training, which in the state of Arkansas is only 520 hours of basic law enforcement training uh, that's required by the state. in California, basic law enforcement training uh, is 664 hours. Um, in Connecticut, which Connecticut has one of the highest basic law enforcement training hours, which is uh, 1,321 hours, they have. I'm, I'm surprised my home state. Uh, well, I mean, back in the day, <laughs> I, I got stopped all the time. So my home state of Connecticut, I'm surprised it got 1,300 and some odd hours. Uh, I'm really surprised yeah. by that. Well, in, in L.A., they uh, they have zero months before police can work before basic training. So you got to go through their basic training before you are even put in a badge, put in a uniform, uh, given a badge and a gun. Uh, you've got to go through this training before you will even set in a police car. And one of the things that that I like to point out about Connecticut is that their field training hours, this is just the the training that you get in the field, is 400 hours. Now, on the low end, yearly they they require 24 hours of in-service training. But their field training hours really exceeds uh, what a lot of states do. Give an example in Delaware. The state of Delaware requires 584 hours 
but zero hours of field training in L.A. and our listeners, only 16 hours of in-service training that is required for police officers. So, you know, and, and even in the District of Columbia, they have, you have to have, go through a 960 hours basic training, but they have zero field training hours that's required by state legislation. Now, they're required to have 32 hours of in-service training a year. So as as we go through the show, we'll talk about these states that have some have very high basic training academy, some have very low, some don't have any uh, mandates that's required by state legislation. And and let me go back and, and let our listeners know if I fail to mention this, that all of these things are, are uh, set by state legis- legislation that every state has their own uh, state-run police academy, uh, just like in the, the state of Arkansas and the state of Oklahoma. Uh, there's a, a leader in, Ar- in Arkansas, in Oklahoma, is CLEAT. Uh, other states is POST. They have different POST training. And so if I, if, if I work for a, a small and rural uh, department, that's you're going to go to this state uh, academy. Uh, agencies like uh, in Little Rock, uh, they have their own academy. Uh, Oklahoma City has their own academy. Dallas, uh, Atlanta, uh, Baltimore, they have their own police academy. They don't send their officers off to to these uh, training academies. So, so in, in those type of... Virgil, I was going to ask, so is, is it based on the size of the city to have your own academy? Otherwise, you got to send them somewhere else? Well, it's, it's not really based on the size of the city. It can be, but I will give an example like uh, Norman, Oklahoma is, I think, the third largest city in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, they send their officers. They have their own academy. Uh, Lawton, Oklahoma, they have their own academy. Um, there's a neighboring city to Norman, which is Moore, Oklahoma. They uh, send their officers to the Cleet Academy. Uh, and so it just kind of depends. Like in Arkansas, uh, Little Rock has their own academy. So if an agency, based on their size, and there are some agencies that are smaller than Little Rock that have submitted uh, to, to, the, to their state, agency, law enforcement agency, that they would like to host their own police academy, uh, then the state grants them that permission to host their own academy. So I think a lot of it depends upon there's a lot of cost in it with getting instructors uh, and, you know, having making sure you've got instructors over those hours that's required, that's mandated by the state. A lot of it, L.A., uh, just really depends upon the agency if they want to take upon that uh, responsibility of training their own police officers. And, and so give an example uh, in, in Florida. You can work six months before you have to go through a basic academy. 
Uh, Florida requires you to have 770 hours of basic uh, uh, academy training, but th- the state does not mandate any zero hours of field training. And so, and I think this is why when we talk about states that um, everybody is, is, is doing this and doing that, and, and so the question has been, should there be some type of federal oversight that mandates that every police department, there's, what, over 18,000 police departments in the United States, that these 18,000 police departments operate under the same umbrella. Uh, you may be a small and rural agency. You may be a large agency, may be a mid-sized but everybody is operating under the same type of, of of requirements and guidelines and not, hey, this is what we're going to do in Idaho, uh, or this is what we're going to do in, in Alabama uh, or Illinois. And so there has to be, and this just kind of goes back to the conversation that's been going on this past year with the uh, with police reform is that there has to be some type of federal legislation put in place because states are not taking it upon themselves to increase their basic training and to make sure that certain uh, training is put in place, L.A. Okay, and uh, just so you know, um, uh Big time is on on the line, Chief uh, Keith Humber. Oh, okay. All right. Well, hey, my 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 buddy has finally joined us. Uh, glad to glad to have you. Hey, man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure. I want to apologize to everybody. It's uh, uh, you know, you just never know when you're in this job. You guys know LA. You guys know at the last minute things come up, but I'm glad to join this conversation. Hey. Hey man, you know, you know, Keith, that's the the world of being a police chief, and and I think you know our families, uh, our families uh, sometimes they don't understand that when uh, you know you think you're going to be home at a certain time and it don't work out that way, and uh, so uh, in this case, you know, when we do our podcast show, you know, things do come up, but but you know, I understand so. Yeah, yeah. You're all good if, with I, me. If, I, if, if I can, if I can chime in uh, right quick, uh, do we have enough time before we take a break, or we good? Uh, yeah, we got a couple minutes before, before we come up on our next break. We got two minutes. Uh, okay, yeah. You know, man, I will tell you that the police training is one of the is one of the most um, scrutinized areas, but it's the most underfunded area. Uh, when you when it comes to um, by states by states and cities, and what I've noticed is that when you start having these budget cuts, the first mm-hmm. thing that happens is we got to cut we got to cut but we got to cut traveling. I mean uh, training training and that training, means yeah. you know and it, and it you know fortunately for departments my size and larger. There can be accommodations. You know, you can always bring someone in to train, or you might have the luxury of um, sending enough people to go out to be trained or trainers. Unfortunately, when you have these smaller agencies that are dependent upon uh, 
general fund dollars and, and taxpayers' dollars. It just may not be there. So it comes down mm-hmm. to what do you what do you cut? Okay, well I've got to cut this because this is this is going to cost me a lot of money. And really and truly, we put ourselves in a bad position. Law enforcement agencies are put in a bad position because how do you get training if you don't have the funding to, to do the training? Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, I hate to interrupt you, man, but we're going to take this break and come back. We'll get back into that topic. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. May I help you? Yeah, it's this cold. My sinuses feel like they're going to explode. Sudafed, aisle five. My allergies have my sinuses all stuffed up. Sudafed, aisle five. Tell the man what's wrong. My sinuses. Sudafed, aisle five. Sinus misery? Get Sudafed. Nothing stronger at relieving even your worst sinus symptoms. Not even a prescription. This could just... Sudafed, aisle five. Sudafed, prescription strength sinus relief. Based on 24-hour dose of pseudoephedrine. Hi, I'm Amanda Pete. Like all new parents, my husband and I want what's best for our baby. When it was time for our daughter's immunizations, we wanted the facts. So we carefully researched vaccines. We spoke with doctors and other experts and asked them tough questions. We decided that vaccines were the best thing for our child. I urge you to get the facts. Learn the facts about vaccines so you can make the best healthcare decisions for your family. Thank you. A message from the American Academy of Pediatrics and vaccinateyourbaby.org. to the show, the You and the Law broadcast, of course, here on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill as well, 646-929-0130, the number to reach Chief Virgil Green, Chief Keith Humphrey, uh, if you have a question or comment. Don't forget, if you missed this broadcast, you can go to our website and check out their rebroadcast every day, a Monday through Saturday, I should say, on the Bachelor News dot airtime not pro airs at noontime on um, Monday through Saturday and of course it airs at one o'clock and six o'clock on Sunday. So the the easiest way folks is to go to the schedule. You'll see you in the law. You can click, listen and enjoy. Uh, speaking of you in the law, I go back to Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green. All right. Hey, thanks. Thank you, L.A. And, uh, hey, I want to remind you, if, if you are on the line, uh, if you've got a comment, uh, let the producer know, and he'll uh, bring you online with us. Or if you just like to uh, stay on the line and listen to the show, please do so. But uh, the chat room is open if you'd like to send us an email or uh, send us a chat about your comments about this topic that we're talking about. And to to a lot of people's surprise, uh you know, Keith, I think a lot of people uh, are don't really know that, you know, it takes more to become a barber or an electrician or a plumber than it takes to become a certified police officer in some states across the United States. Right, right. And, and Virgil, the thing about it is, and, and I'm pretty sure, I know I came in late, but I'm pretty sure that that we, you talked about the fact that uh, that if you can have your own academy, 
uh, you can tr- double and sometimes triple the number of hours that the state mandates, uh, minimal yeah. hours. Yeah. And so you have so yeah. you have states that have 60, 600 hours and departments that have 2,000 hours of, of academy training. And I don't, you know, really and truly, when you really think about it, Virgil, and, and uh, L.A. and to the listeners, uh, it's an ongoing learning process. And I think what happens is that oh, yeah. we, we, you know, there are those agencies that all we want to do is just get them out of the academy. Uh, and then they do the, the minimum uh, continuing education classes uh, that, that's mandated. So there's no actual uh, certain things when it comes to uh, de-escalation. You know, there's no such, there's no certain, uh, there's no training when it comes to critical incident, crisis intervention training, you know, unless the state mandates it. And unfortunately, you got you have those departments that, based on their staffing or their money, they might have to, um, you know, say we're not doing that this year. We're going to have to do it next year. And and, and so, Chief. I, I know there's Correct. a lot of there's a lot uh, of officers walking around here in this country right now that have suspended certifications because they don't have the the mandatory hours. Okay. I'm sorry, Chief, LA. Go ahead. No, because you said something so compelling. I, I really need you guys to say it again for this audience and what you said, Chief Humphrey. There's no formal training, you're saying, um, for de- de-escalation and things of that nature. Some of the things we've seen all over YouTube and everywhere else in terms of these these bad actors and these agencies that are doing no formal and what is the formal part? And then I did get a, a question from someone, you guys can answer it, that said, why do s- s- these states have so minimal hours for training? Why? What is it? Well, let me, let me go well, back on the de-escalation. Let me go back on the de-escalation part. What, what I said was that you have, these, you have departments that, that the state doesn't require any, any minimum minimum training for de-escalation. If some officers, right. if they don't get it in the academy, if they don't go out and get it on their own, there's some officers uh, that, that don't get it because it's not a mandate required by that state. Fortunately, we do it here in Little Rock. Uh, fortunately, your bigger departments do it because they've come under so much stress and they realize that if they don't provide that, there is a possibility that they could end up being sued or they could be on TV related to their officers not following or having de-escalation training. But, no, there, there are those states that don't require mandatory de-escalation training. There are those states that don't require mental health training for officers as far as training how to, when you encounter someone with mental illness, crisis intervention training. There are those officers. You know what, you know what type of training that we, that we do? Mandatory firearm training, mandatory driving training, Mandatory um, domestic violence training. In some states, that's it. So no, there's nothing. There are no guidelines that says that every state in the nation will have de-escalation. Every state in the nation will. Every department in the nation will teach cultural diversity or implicit or explicit bias. There, there, there's, there's none of that. There's nothing across the. There's nothing formatted that says you will do this. Yeah. Well, and, and to answer uh, the the question of the person that uh, that sent the uh, comment in, uh, a, a lot of states 
state legislators pass uh, these laws that they uh, that may come from their state-run uh, uh, academies. And so, if that state-run academy comes and says, "Hey, you know, we think we can run this academy and do it like they do in Oregon, where it's only 400 hours," uh, and that's been established by the state legislators, so. The academy itself doesn't set those hours. That is something that is mandated by through legislation. And so the the thing that, that we have not seen over several years is that state legislators have took it upon themselves to tell these state agencies like Alita in Arkansas or Cleet in Oklahoma or the Post Academy in California or in Oregon, hey, we're going to raise the minimum basic training hours from 400 to 800 hours. Now, Keith, you made a good point about the funding part of it. So now that means that more dollars need to be put toward funding those additional 400 hours of and. You, you know, one of the things I'll go back to this past year, and and even there's still conversation about defunding the police. When we talk about defunding the police, this is this impacts police departments' ability to train their police officers because if funds are taken away, then chiefs, police chiefs, have to decide what can I keep and what do I have to get rid of because I've lost almost a million dollars in my budget. And if you, and as Keith uh, stated previously, that the first thing is looked at is training. Okay, well, we've got to cut our training. We've got to cut our field training, or we may have to cut our in-service training, and we may not be able to send officers to other specialized training. And so I think of people – need to realize that when you talk about defunding the police, it's ultimately going to impact the service that the police department is bringing to the citizens, and the citizens are going to be left with uh, with having a reduced uh, police service when it comes well, to uh, those types well, of well, re- reduction in training. Virgil, let me say this too, and, and when we talk about the cost, we're not we're not just talking about forty or fifty dollars. But we're talking about you take a oh, department no. that that has say they, the department might have ten officers, and that's including the chief and the the high ranking officers and the, the high ranking uh, supervisors and, and and officers. And so, say mm-hmm. they're in um, the Panhandle of Oklahoma, and we know yeah. that the state Academy is in is in um, Ada. Where is it? Ada, Ada. Oklahoma. Now we're we're t- we're talking a five mile, I mean five hour to six hour drive for those yeah. those officers, which means they're going to have to go for a week. Because even if you have a forty hour class, you're going to have to go for a week. So where we have to pay for it? gas, food, and lodging. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay each night a hotel. So just just say if that's fifteen hundred dollars. Well, say if that police department's training budget is ten thousand dollars for that year. 
you you you've taken ten thousand dollars out of that budget that for one officer. But what's the what are the other nine officers going to do? Because the chief has training, and then so then when you when you take that one officer off the street, if somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack and come work the street. So it, it's it's a difficult situation, but we shouldn't be having that debate over what's required training. Because the basic training that we should be having is this de-escalation, emotional intelligence, uh, 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 critical uh, crisis intervention training, uh, implicit explicit bias. We should be having firearms training. We should be having driving training. But everything should be geared toward de-escalation. Uh, not geared toward, but we should have more of that. And those should be mandated training. The period yeah. point blank. They should be mandated training, just like the just like the federal dollars that are um, tied into uh, uh, that the departments get for to purchase uh, uh, body armor, body armor, bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does it say? In order to qualify for these federal dollars, your department must have a vest policy. Mandating yeah. that officers wear vests while on duty. If you do not have that policy, you are not eligible. You are ineligible for those funds. Why can't we do something like that when it comes to the escalation? Why can't we do something like that when it comes to if you're going to receive this federal funding? We should. You should have these policies in place. You should have this training in place. That's all we said. We do it for vests. We do it for other, uh, you know, if you want a, a Department of Justice or NI, NIJ or NJI. Hey, Craig. Hey, hey, Keith, you know, we got, hey, yeah. I just, I didn't want to okay. interrupt you, but hey, uh, we got Jonathan in Denver. Craig, who, uh, hey, who, you turn it off. Uh, turn the greens off. Who listen, Jonathan in Denver uh, asked a question. Uh, you guys know well, Mac is, the Mac is in the microwave. Stir it. Or a few hours of training equates and leave to it there. higher crime rate. Um, now that's a good question, Jonathan, because you know, uh, looking at some of the uh, the data that has been provided, uh, it, it doesn't really show that there is a, a higher crime rate. Uh, it shows. Uh, give an example in Texas where you can work, you know, you can work 12 months before you have to go through a basic academy. Uh, uh, the citizens killed by police uh, is uh, 4.0 per capita. Uh, police killed is 1.29 per capita. So, um, it, you know, I'm pretty sure that does factor into uh, some of the uh, the data, but uh, some of the things that we ran across, uh, it really doesn't show that uh, if the training equates to a higher crime rate. So, Jonathan, definitely thanks for that question. Uh, also, Keith, we've got Robin said police should take upon themselves uh, to get some form of training um, on your own along with the regular training. Um, and well, let me, know, let, me, I, let me talk about let me talk about that, Virgil, real quick. You know, and, and I'm a believer in getting all the training you can and being responsible for what you need. You know, if you want to learn more, if you want to be a student of profession, absolutely. But let me just say this. When you have police officers in certain states 
making nine and ten dollars an hour in certain cities. Uh, and yeah. They have to pay for their own training, and then out of that money, they have to pay for their uniforms, their their, their equipment, take care of their family. That's a lot easier said than done. So it, 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 yeah. it, it's one of those things that's not always as simple as paying for your own class. Yeah. Well, and, and, and also I'll say this, and, and Robin, definitely thank you for listening to you and the law. Uh, I'll also say this, with, we just got a couple minutes left, Key, is that, you know, I've, there's a lot of officers that I know who, man, they will go and take all the training that they can get, and they're doing it just to say, man, I've got like, 1,200 hours of training. Okay, well, what are you really getting out of the training? You know, they got a, a stack full of uh, certificates that they went through this training, but are you really getting anything out of the training? But the majority of them are going to training because all of it is free, and they are just proud to, to stick their chest out to say, oh, man, I've got like 800 hours of, of training this year. Okay, well, what are you doing with that extra 800 hours of training? What did you actually learn? Did it make you a better police officer to, to do your job? And so what about the ones that's that go on just because they're a friend of the chief? Yeah, exactly, exactly. One, and, yeah. and I want to go back and say something else real quick. You know, when I went through the, the academy, key, when you talk about we got officers way up in the northern part of the panhandle, this agency – had a 1986 uh, LaSabra that they would send their officers to Oklahoma City and to the academy. It, four officers, four or five officers would all fit in this 1987 LaSabra. This car was utilized by this agency for decades because officers would say, oh, man, my so-and-so told me when they went through the academy, they, 10 years ago they were driving this car. So you've got agencies who don't have the resources, don't have the funding, uh, and they're just doing what they can to get by. But we're not making any excuses for these agencies. But one of the things, Keith, I think that really needs to happen when we talk about police reform in these last few minutes is that there really has to be some – federal mandate that requires these states to increase their basic training hours uh, and increase their field training hours because like in Oregon, man, which is one of the lowest states in the, in the, in the country, Keith, they only require 400 basic hours and don't require any field training hours. So there has to be some federal uh, legislation passed by the uh, by the, the House and the Senate to make states uh, make these states require that their state legislators increase the, the training hours. But Keith, man, this has been a great topic and you know, if you missed any part of this show, definitely check us out on thebachelornews.airtime.pro thebachelornews.airtime.pro and definitely tune in uh, to another episode of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're live every Tuesday on this network, so we definitely thank you for tuning in. And uh, my brother, we'll uh, see you next week. Yes, sir. You've been see you next all right. Week. Well, you've been li- you've been listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network.